<laughs> Didn't uh, Robin do really good? <clears throat> Did you see how he nailed the word Scythian? I was like, oh, and then he nailed it. I was like, okay, never mind. I don't have to worry. All right, today we're going to be talking about what? How Churches Die, Part 3. This is a really encouraging series that I've decided to teach you guys. But basically the concept is churches die. They have births and they have deaths, right? And the whole idea is that <clears throat> there are churches that should be dead. They should die, right? Their, their, their time, their purpose is over. No church should really live forever. But the problem is a lot of churches, especially in the United States as we see now, are dying way, way, way before they should be dying. And it has a lot to do with not God, but people making bad choices in the way they lead the church, the vision of the church, the purpose of the church. And so we're talking about it because one day you will be the leaders, not, maybe not in this church, hopefully, that'd be cool, but somewhere, somehow, if you begin to follow the Lord faithfully all your life, they, the churches are starving for people that actually love Jesus. And they immediately want to put you in leadership. Philip Kim, is that correct? If you love Jesus, they're all like, hey, you should be a leader in our church. That's what they're like. Because there's a lot of people that are not doing it. All right, so the big idea, can you put that up there, uh, TK? The big idea today is churches die when they don't produce di 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 diapers. They don't produce disciples that produce disciples. Now, the second part, produce disciples, that's really important. It's not enough that you just become disciples, but disciples that produce disciples. Because the fact of the matter, we talk about this a lot, right? But churches are filled with a lot of people that just take up space. They might even tithe a little bit because they feel obligated, especially in Asian churches. Uh, in Asian churches, a lot of times the pastors will call you up if you do not tithe. And if you are a member, it's pretty intense, right? They will publish the names of people that aren't tithing or like how much each, each person gives. I've seen churches like that. But this is the deal. It is not enough that we have churches that just filled up with people that just take up space. We actually need the church to make disciples that make more disciples. So I want to tell you a story really quick. There's this guy named David Platt. Some of you guys read Radical. How many of you guys read Radical? Okay, so this is like the second part. It's like called Radical Together, talking about doing it as a community. And one of the things that he shared, I, like I was listening to it, I listen to audiobooks, and I was listening to it and I was almost tearing up. And I don't want to share this story because it has to do with babies and my wife loves babies. And, and we have five babies and she wants more babies. And I said, no, because I'm the man. I put my foot down, I'm like, no more, right? Because I can make that decision because it takes two, right? But in this story, it doesn't take two. That's the, that's the problem. Okay, so David Platt in his church, he starts... He's this young 30-something young guy, right? He goes and gets invited to become this pastor of this church. He goes in there and immediately he starts ruffling feathers because he's not a normal pastor. He was like a, a seminary professor. And so he challenges his students like to go and take the world for, for Jesus, right? And so when he gets in the church, he doesn't realize that that's not the rules in, in real church. You can't like start stirring up stuff and challenging people to take the world for Jesus because then people get offended and mad. So he gets into his church and he said, hey, Look at all of the money that we spend every year. And this is a multi-million dollar church, so it's like they, they had, their budget was like 15 million or something like that, which is close to ours, just kidding. And so he, he's basically saying, okay, what are the things that we're doing that are not necessary or that are not being effective in reaching the people with the gospel? And so he started asking all these questions and people started getting really upset. 
But then he started to guide the church down that road, and all of a sudden they caught the vision because they would study, study the Bible like James, the book of James, and they would begin to see that their lives were in direct contradiction to what the Bible was saying. He even proposes that good is the enemy of best. We oftentimes want to do like all these good things, right? But that might not be the best thing because the fact of the matter is the world is like, what? Poverty stricken. You guys know all the statistics. You guys go to school. They teach you that kind of stuff, right? People are dying because of diarrhea. Diarrhea. We get diarrhea because we go to buffets. They get diarrhea because they have parasites in their body and then they die. You see what I'm saying? Like this is a problem, but we, are in, our, in our world, like we're fine. We just have bubble tea and that's it. And hey, we should, we should do a fundraiser so we can all have bubble tea forever. You know, like that's kind of the way churches think a lot of times. Not bubble tea, that's just us. But we have this problem where we don't oftentimes think the way David Platt was encouraging his church to think. So he starts to teach this series on James, James 1. And there's this one passage, I'll read it because it's not up there. The passage says, Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. So David Platt reads that and he says, Orphans. Hmm. And so he goes and he calls social services in their county uh, where the church is at. And he says, okay, I'm just going to ask this question, okay? How many families would you need to adopt and to take foster kids uh, before that need, w- need was met in, in our county? And then the lady starts laughing, right, hysterically, like, this is ridiculous. What's wrong with you? You know, she doesn't take this guy seriously at all. He's like, no, 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 no. I'm really asking this question. And he's like, if a miracle happened, you know, if a miracle happened, just dream with me for a second. The lady's like, she's not a Christian. The lady's like, uh, maybe like 150 families. We'd probably need 150, and then the need would be met, and we wouldn't have any more foster kids or, or um, kids that need adoption in the system. And so he has this crazy idea. So he writes down this information, and he goes, and he, he gets some information from the, the social services, and he goes to his church, and he preaches this, this, uh, this verse. And he starts talking about adoption and, and, and what true religion is and how it's taking care of orphans and widows in their distress. And he preaches this message and the church like loses their mind. He has this, this, this meeting aside where anybody who's interested in adopting or taking foster kids can come. And the, the social services lady was there with a couple of her staff and they were like, had the information ready and she was astounded. She thought it was gonna be like two or three, four people, right? 163 families came in, 163 families, not people, 163 families showed up to adopt and to take foster kids. And the, the, the social services lady is weeping, she's crying, she's like, what are you, how did you do this? I've never seen this before, I can't believe this is happening. Like she just couldn't fathom it. And, and like, she's like, what did you say to these people to get them to come? He's like, oh, it wasn't me, it was Jesus. Like we're all disciples here, we're disciples of Christ, and this is what disciples do. We follow what the Bible says, and we live it out. And they adopted and all these kids, these foster kids and these, these adoptions. And the crazy thing about it is, like, you know, like if this was a commercial, right, for social services or churches or David Platt's church, it would be like, this is where the story ends. But that's not where the story ends. It gets really, really gruesome. Some of these kids, their mothers were crack, uh, crack addicts. Some of these kids grew up, uh, uh, have uh, fetal alcohol syndrome. Some of these kids are autistic. Some of these kids are violent. Some of these kids uh, um, tried to sexually abuse their, their uh, adopted brothers. Uh, the kid that's being adopted tries to, adopt, uh, t- tries to abuse an, 
the, um, the parent, the child. You get what I'm saying. <laughs> we got to edit that, Andy. Whatever the recording, we got to edit this. But you get what I'm saying. Like, it was hard. And some of these parents were coming to David Platt and saying, I cannot believe it. This, this is so difficult. I never thought it was going to be this difficult. But, and they start talking about what Christ and the grace that Christ has given them to do this job. And they know that they were called to do this. They prayed about it and they knew that this kid was supposed to be adopted by them. And this one lady who had a really hard time with her kid, you know what she said? She said, we celebrated his birthday today. And we came into the room, all of us as a family, and this reminded me of me and my kids. Uh, we came into his room and he had a birthday shirt with his name on it. Um, yeah, I don't know. So, some parents do that kind of stuff, I guess. And he's jumping up, on, uh, up, up and down on his bed as they sing happy birthday to him. And the, this is what the kid says. He's like, thank you for giving me a birthday. Like, he just never had a birthday party in his life. In the orphanage, there was no, nothing like that. He said, thank you for giving me a birthday. And, of course, she's like, <laughs> you know, why are you crying, Mommy? <laughs> it's so beautiful, you know, like that. But she's so, he was like, they were just floored by the grace of God and, like, the, the joy that comes from literally following Scripture. And, and you take this, right? You take this and you contrast it to the rest of the world that says, hey, you know what you need? You need to do you. You need to get you some. You need to get whatever you want to get. You need to, to worry about yourself. You need to get rich. You need to get that Mercedes Benz. You need to get that Lexus. You need to get that, you know, a big house and you need to get that gated community and this family is saying okay well the bible doesn't say that the bible says oh true religion is this take care of the orphans and the widows and obviously there's a lot more to it the passage that robin read that is a discipleship discipleship pa uh, uh, passage saying this is what a disciple does he puts away these kind of things and then he puts on these kind of things that's a discipleship passage now let's talk about why. Why we have such a hard time. Why we have a hard time being a disciple. The first thing is the gospel. We've got to talk about the gospel. You guys know the gospel. We talked about the gospel a couple weeks ago, right? And went into depth what the, the, uh, the gospel is. But what, what did Jesus die for? What did he save us for? What did he save us from? One, one thing is freedom from guilt, right? When you get saved... And, and I don't know if you guys felt this way, but that moment where you prayed this prayer, and I, I did this, and um, the guy was telling me, like, you know, Jesus will forgive all your sins. You're like, no, but I'm a really screwed up person, and I was just really aware of my sin, because I had really just, I made a hobby of sinning, like just doing my best at sinning, right? And when he said that, I was broken in my heart, and I realized, wow, man, I'm a really messed up person, but Jesus would forgive me and save me from this? And when I did, everyone, I've heard a lot of people say this, that after they, they prayed this prayer and, and felt like the Lord had received them, they just felt this total freedom. No more guilt, no more shame. All of that stuff that, was, uh, that they carried around with them, that, that identified them, right, is all gone, right? The problem is, if the only thing that we have freedom from is guilt, if the gospel is only to release us from guilt, is that we start to act like old Catholics from back in the day. I don't know if you guys know this about uh, some of the Catholics. They would just live their life, be like, oh, you saw this in old gangster movies, right? These grandmothers would be like shooting people up. They're mobsters, right? And then they would go and confess that they murdered somebody or sold drugs or whatever. And then the, the priest would say, Forg I forgive you, or Jesus forgives you, and makes them say like a uh, hundred Hail Marys, like a prayer, a prayer, right? And then they would leave and they'd be like, oh, phew, I'm good again. And then they could start sinning and just sin, 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 and then they would go back to the priest, and the priest would hear their confession and then forgive them, 
and then give them another Hail, 100 Hail Marys and then they would feel good again, right? If Jesus only saved us from that feeling of guilt, then that's incomplete. The next thing is freedom from sin. Oh, this is a big one. A lot of us think that when we got saved, right, it's only about getting out of our sin. We have this power to get out of our sin, which is, which is absolutely true. We did not have the power to overcome sin before we were saved, but now we do, right? The Holy Spirit does this thing in my heart. Like I used to be, I'm a selfish person, but I used to be infinitely more selfish before. You can ask my wife. My cousin, she came to visit us, and she was like, what happened to you? I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, you were like the most selfish husband in the world. I'm like, oh, thank you. This is awkward. But it was like kind of like a backhanded compliment. Like, you're pretty but fat. You know, you're just, you're just, it's like a compliment but an insult. And she was like, you were, you, were no, you, know, you were really, really selfish, but now you're different. What happened to you? And that, that's, that's the Holy Spirit in my life just moving towards uh, me towards God and being more like God and being less and less selfish to where people notice. Right? And so freedom from sin is an important thing, but if you just have that is your only sole desire, because there's a lot of you in here that think all I need to do to be a good Christian is to stop sinning. You're like, no sin, no sin, no sin. And then you sin, you're like, oh crap, I, I'm a terrible Christian. And then you don't come to God because you feel guilty and ashamed. God, I know I promised I wouldn't do that again, but I did it. I'm sorry. But you don't even say sorry, you don't even do it. you don't even come back to God. You feel guilty. Right? So if we st- if we're stuck in just freedom from sin, then we become a lot like the monasteries, the monks. Right? Which is nothing wrong with it, but if you, if you become a monk to shield yourself from the world and to, to no longer be in sin, there's a problem there. This is the schedule for the monks. You can put it up there. 5.30 in the morning, they re- uh, wake up, private prayer. 6.25, early breakfast. Uh, 7 o'clock, morning prayer. 7.30, breakfast, silent. They, didn't, they can't talk. 8.15, they have classes and work. 11.30, uh, they have uh, lectio or recollection, basically meditation. Midday prayer followed by buffet lunch. That's nice. I'm glad. Recreation. 1.15 classes or work. 4.30 lectio, uh, which is more reflection. 5 o'clock daily mass, which is a service. 6 p.m. supper with reading and recreation. I don't know the recreation. Maybe ping pong. 7 p.m. evening prayer, vigil, right? 7.40 evening quiet. 8 o'clock study, free time. Uh, this is when they watch Netflix. Just kidding. 10.30 p.m. night silence until after breakfast. This is their daily schedule every single day. And a lot of the monasteries did this, or monks did this, because number one, they wanted to keep their people busy. They also wanted to make sure that they were focused constantly on Jesus, which is good, but the problem is it's hard to make disciples when you're just this. This is my life. Every hour and a half or so, every just constantly doing that because you want to get, get rid of sin in your life. So get what I'm saying. I'm not saying that these things are bad, but by themselves, if your focus of getting saved was, uh, the first one was freedom from guilt, by itself is unhealthy. Freedom from sin, by itself is unhealthy. This is the third one. Freedom to live the way God called you to live. Now this is something that most people forget, forget and this is the part of being a disciple. A lot of, a lot of times people get saved, they pray the prayer, they go to Billy Graham, Graham uh, Evangelical Crusade, They get saved, and then they go about their life. They think, oh, Jesus forgave my sins. I'm good now. And they just go about their life, but nothing happens. But Jesus died on the cross to give you freedom to live the way God had called you to live. Each and every one of us was made for a reason, right? There's some people that you look past, uh, look look throughout history, and you're like, oh, yeah, they were definitely made for that. Uh, Michael Jordan's an easy one. He's a fantastic basketball player right? He's obviously made to play basketball. God created him for basketball, right? But there's also a spiritual element that I think a lot of people miss. There's natural talents that all of us have, 
But if we just focus on those kind of things, then we miss out too. So it's not just success in the worldly sense or being talented or something, but it's actually doing what God has called you to do, what he's made you to do. For me, I know that God has made me to be a discipler. Like I lead worship and people like say, oh yeah, you should lead worship. You should be full time and do that. Only, But it really, I'm not, I'm not really interested. Like um, Sean, she was talking about how she wants to be, she wants to join Bethel or make Bethel. Like make a Bethel. Do you guys know what Bethel is? Like a worship ministry? Like really, really famous and popular. I don't want to do that. I have like no interest in doing that at all. I want to see Sean do it. I'm like, yeah, Sean, you know, but like I'm not really interested in doing that because that's not where my heart is. Even though I might be good at it. There are things that you guys might be good at it, but good at, but your heart might not be in it. That God might not have called you to be that way or to live that way. Do you guys get what I'm saying? And so what you need to do is that you need to start looking for what God has, God, God has uh, the clues that God has placed in your life to move towards what he's made you to be. Um, but freedom to live the way God made you to be without guilt, without sin, the freedom from sin, freedom of guilt, is a problem too because what you end up doing is you end up working hard so that, you think, so that God will accept you. Your whole focus is to be accepted by God by working hard, by doing what God has called you to do. I see a lot of missionaries like this. I, me and my wife were missionaries for nine years, and a lot of the missionaries, I would say a good percentage of those missionaries were there because they were really dysfunctional, because they were really insecure, because they weren't really sure about their relationship with the Lord. So they wanted to become missionaries so that God would accept them and love them. That's a huge problem. You don't become a missionary for that reason. You get chewed up and spit out. The attrition rate, which means failure rate or quit rate of missionaries is 50%. So out of every two families that go to the mission field, one comes back. Half. It's like our marriage rate. This is a huge, huge, huge problem, but it's because a lot of people have this mentality where they just focus on the freedom to do what God's called me to do, and they're not, they don't embrace the freedom from sin, the freedom from guilt. All right, so how do we, how do we become disciples? Focusing on the gospel, all three of those aspects, but even more, right? I love, I love that this, this quote by uh, Dallas Willard about who, what a disciple is. A disciple is a person who has decided that the most important thing in their life is to learn how to do what Jesus said to do. A disciple is not a person who has things under control or knows a lot of things. I think a lot of us think that. Disciples simply are people who are constantly revising their affairs to carry through on their decisions to follow Jesus. Disciples simply are people who are constantly revising their affairs to carry through on their decision to follow Jesus. Think about the people that adopted those, fam uh, those, those kids from uh, David Platt's church. They were revising their affairs. That means they were rescheduling their life, replanning their life to follow Jesus, to do what the Bible says to do. Right, Kim? That's what they do. That's what disciples do, or disciples do. For a lot of you guys, you guys have graduated high school and your life is just on the same trajectory. It really hasn't changed very much. You go to college, right? And then in the summer times, you just, you, you work or you just hang out with your friends. But there's nothing in your life. The trajectory of your life is not changing. It's just moving towards adulthood in which nothing changes. Where there's no heartbeat in, your, in the morning when you wake up and you're scared because you know God's going to ask you to do something crazy. Right, Austin? The question is, for you guys, is does your life require any faith at all? Because when I read what Robin had read 
Colossians 1, or Colossians 3, 1 through 17, it takes faith. It says, put to death, therefore, whoever belong, where, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Sexual immorality. If you have sex before your marriage, that's called sexual immorality. Homosexual relationships, that's sexual immorality, right? Even, some would even say that making out, having like sexual Im- intimacy, not intercourse, but sexual intimacy with your boyfriend or girlfriend is sexual immorality because you have not made that commitment yet. Sexual immorality is anything outside of marriage that, ha- that has to do with sex. That's, that's hard. That's crazy. That takes a lot of faith to follow. And some of you guys might not get that. I haven't done a relationship teaching in a year and a half, but you guys know that those that have been in relationship te- teachings, you know that sex is far more than just the physical. It's not just two consenting adults. It's big. It has to do with connection, intimacy, this, this, this connection between two human beings. The Bible says the two become one. It's not just a, it's not something we just say. Right? Sexual immorality. Living without sexual immorality. Putting that away. Impurity. Lust. Oh my gosh, gentlemen. Girls lust too. I see you look at Brad Pitt, or Six Pack. I guess Brad Pitt's old now, but like young, who is it? Uh, One Direction. Who else do you guys lust after? What? Huh? Zach Efron. Israel's like sharing. Like, this is who I have to lust after. But anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm glad Zach's not here. Uh, evil desires. Greed. You guys might not think of yourselves as greedy because you're not smoking on a cigar and have a three-piece suit and, be a, and being a banker, but we are greedy people. Think about it for one second. What if I asked you, hey, how much do you guys get a week? Maybe $20, $30, $40, maybe? From what? Like allowance or a job, <laughs> right? How much, how much do you guys get around for your spending money, like going shopping, uh, food, eating out? How much do you spend a week? Honestly, hey, listen, honestly, how much? Because I, I hang out with you on the weekends, and it's expensive. <laughs> How much? Let's say, let's say, let's go low. Let's go low. Let's say you get $20 a week on personal expenses. What if I told you, give that money up, pray about giving that to some organization that builds wells or something like that? What if I said to you to do that? What would you do? Immediately, you'd be like, oh, uh... And you're trying to come up as fast as you can with an, ex- like an excuse. Oh, my mom wouldn't want me to do that. Um, she gave that money to, for me to spend on myself. <laughs> right? See, we, we pretend to be Christians. We pretend to, to, to read the Bible and to try to apply those things, but we glaze over these things and we don't deal with them. How many of you guys, I'm not going to ask this, uh, don't answer, don't answer, but how many of you guys think it's okay to, to have sex with somebody when you love them? I teach about relationships, and you guys are like, oh, yeah, yeah, relationships. But then when it comes to when you have a boyfriend or a girlfriend, you're like, no, but I really love them. And they want to have sex, and I kind of want to have sex, and so I'm going to have sex. So what the Bible says doesn't really matter. When it talks about greed, our eyes glaze over. Oh, well, give my money? I, uh, I'm not greedy, but uh, I can't uh, give my money. You know how much our offering is? We have 100 students in here. Our offering average is $50. $50 a week. That means if we divide it all up between all of you people, each of you give 50 cents. <laughs> you guys give 50 cents. You know how much the church pays for the stuff that we do? Like every activity I bring up to pastor, a senior pastor, I'm like, senior pastor, it's going to cost this much for this retreat. And he's like, oh, too much. That's his accent. It's like, too muchy. He actually, he actually says muchy. I don't know why he says muchy, but I'm, I like it. I like it. He's like, how are too muchy? Make it cheaper. I'm like, okay, so we cut off more money. You know, Peru is going to cost like $2,000. You know how much our students are paying? $600. 
The church pays, 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 pays. And you know how much we give? 50 cents a person. Now, I'm not interested in guilting you. I want this to be blazed in your head that we cannot pretend like we are disciples when we're not disciples. We cannot pretend like we follow the Bible when we do not follow the Bible. And that's huge because the thing about what we hate, our generation, uh, your generation and my generation, we're different. Our generations hate fake people. Our generation hates hypocrites. Am I right? Oh, I don't go to church because they're full of hypocrites. Right? Why, why do they think we're hypocrites? Because we actually say that we believe the Bible, and a lot of people read the Bible and are like, you don't do that, you don't look like that, you're not acting like that, so we're a hypocrite. At least them, they don't have any pressure because they're not saying that I'm going to be like this moral, you know, beacon of light to the community and be righteous in my own way, you know? They don't do that. But the church, we do. We say that we follow the Bible, but we do not. We pay 50 cents in tithe, and we think that we're generous and we're not greedy. It's hard. Impurity, lust, evil desires, which is idolatry. That's putting God, uh, something else above God. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways. I love Paul. He's like, past tense. You used to. This is not you anymore, man. You're different in the life you once lived. But now you must rid yourself of all these such things. Anger. I lost it on my kids the other day. I have problems. Rage. I think it was probably close to rage, right, Emma? Yeah, don't answer. That's cool. I might lose my job. Malice. You get mad at people and you won't talk to them? You passive-aggressive people? Quit it. Stop it. Right? Slander. Gossip. Oh, my gosh. Why is it that we're all okay with gossip in our church? We're like, oh, yeah, what's the big problem with this church? Oh, gossip. Well, it's every church. But... And we're all okay with it. We're like, ha, 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 they'll get over it. No, it's screwed up. People leave the church, leave, the, uh, leave God because of gossip. That's screwed up. Filthy language. Some people are like, well, I don't cuss. But then you, I, like, like, I listen to your music. I'm like, what is that? <laughs> you're cussing me in your brain, you know? What's that, what's that one song that's like um, uh, Maroon 5, It's Gonna Hurt Like a... Right, right. And then they cut out the cuss word, but it sounds just like the cuss word. You're like, why did you even cut it out? Because it sounds exactly like the cuss word. This is what it is to be a disciple, not, not, not doing these things, but what it is being a disciple is like you look at this stuff, you read it, and you're like, oh, well, I better apply it to my life. Oh, I better make this change. Some of you guys are like, oh, well, I can't. It's too hard. I quit. I, I, I just can't do it. And you don't, you don't stop. You don't even try to fight it. And this is what's the beautiful thing, right? We always talk about the grace of God in your life. We change through sanctification, through the Holy Spirit, right? But it doesn't mean that we don't move towards it. My, one of my professors in college, he says that it's 100% God and 100% man. That means there is an effort on our part to move towards what the Bible says, what he calls us to be. But we don't do it. I talked to some of you guys, you're like, oh yeah, I have a hard time going to bed on time. Well, it's probably because you're watching Netflix until 3 in the morning. It's hard when you're watching TV, right? Or playing League. I'm not going to talk about League anymore. I know, I feel bad. Because Kyung's like, do you really hate League? Yes, I do, but it's okay. You know what I'm saying? We don't even try to fight it. Oh, I don't, I don't read, but I'll try to read, and they don't read. I'm always encouraging you guys to read. We have this big stack of books over here to, for, for my staff to read. I'm forcing my staff, not forcing them. They're, they're kind of being volunteer. I'm, they're volunteering to do it, but they kind of feel guilty, so they kind of have to do it. But you should be reading. You should be growing. You should be reading your Bible at least. If you don't understand your Bible, then you better learn how to understand your Bible. Being a disciple is not passive. 
Being a disciple is fighting sin, hating your sin, loving Jesus, moving towards what God has called you to be. And this is the most amazing part. Those families that adopted those, those kids, that's so cool, man. Because they actually lived out their faith. Whenever somebody sees a church full of hypocrites and they meet somebody like that, they're like, oh, you're a real Christian. That's what they think. Why? Because they're no longer just taking advice, right? Oh, I'm going to try not to cuss. But they're actually making huge differences in their own life, rearranging their life. What's that definition again? Disciples simply are people who are constantly revising, constantly changing their affairs, their plans, their goals to carry through on their decisions to follow Jesus. What has God called you to do? He's asking you for everything. You should be a blank slate. Being like, God, I, there's all this stuff that I wanted to do, but I'm going to push that out to do whatever you want me to do. So fill in this space. But we don't do it. And if you can figure this out now, if you can start becoming a disciple now, I promise you your life will be far, far different than your friends. You will make an impact. Being a disciple becomes contagious because people want to see genuine authenticity. They want to see vulnerability. And if you live like that, people want to be like you. And what, you know what they're going to do? They're going to start following you. Right, saying? They're going to start following you. And then when they start following you, it's starting to become, you start becoming intentional about teaching them what you learned. A lot of you guys, you hear every week, and Pastor Hong says this, you guys are pigs, but the whole idea is that you guys absorb, 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 absorb of spiritual information, maybe like experiences with Jesus. A lot of you guys have had incredible experiences with Jesus, but you don't talk to anybody about it. You don't do anything with it. You just absorb, absorb, absorb. You don't want to be a reservoir. You want to be a river. The water should be passing through you, right? You get what I'm saying? So making a disciple, and some of you guys are like, I don't know how. That's a great place to start. I don't know how. Well, then learn how. You know, there's people like Philip, like me, like my wife, like some of these older Christians that would love to sit down with you and teach you because they're learning how to be a disciple or two. And so some of you guys think, well, I don't have the personality for it. It doesn't matter. The Bible says, Matthew 28, 18 through 20, the Great Commission, the Bible says make disciples of all nations, not make converts. The emphasis there is teach them to live what the Bible says, what Jesus taught them, to live what Jesus taught them. That's it. Does that make sense? So every week we will fight, we will fight to not be the status quo. We will fight not to be pretend Christians because I don't want my life to be that way. And you guys know that I'm a scared person. I have anxiety. But every single day I feel like I'm being filled with courage because God is faithful. He will do that for you too. I know some of you guys are terrified. Yesterday we had uh, three of our, our Peru mission team members share their testimonies in front of the whole group. And then we critiqued them. Yeah, some of you guys are like, I would rather die than do that. But they did it. They're growing. They're uncomfortable. Grace Huang was one of them. He made, she made Pastor Hong cry. It was awesome. <laughs> right? It's not, it's not easy to do that. Not to make Pastor Hong cry, but to share your testimony. It's, it means getting out of your comfort zone. So I want to encourage you guys. I want to encourage you guys to start moving. Read the Bible and start applying it. Just think of it this way. Really simple, Okay. You open up the Bible, you start reading it. Just, you know, I would read anything in the Gospels. If, you're first start, if, you, if, you, if you don't read the Bible regularly, start with the Gospels. Mark is the shortest Gospel. He, he's like the comic book writer of the Gospel. Like, it's all action. It's action-packed, and it's really short. So if you, if you don't ever read, try, try Mark, okay? 
read Mark, see what Jesus says, and try to follow Jesus. Actually, when you read the Bible, be like, okay, I'm going to try to apply this today. And don't, don't try to apply like a hundred things like, okay, sexual immorality and all this kind of, like, just, just pick one thing and say, you know what, this week I'm going to apply it. And I'm going to tell my friend about it. Hey, so I was reading in Mark that I shouldn't do this. So I'm going to try to stop doing that. And it says I should try to do this. So I'm going to try to do that. That's it. You work on it. And the Holy Spirit will sweep, up, uh, swoop, swoop down on you and, and fill you with passion and excitement. For those of you guys in here that are listening that are all about um, getting approval from God by the way you behave, you need to not understand what I said in that way. Once you, once you profess following Christ, right, he has accepted you and he loves you. And when you fail, which you will fail, and that's okay. It's okay to fail. But you constantly move forward, moving towards God. You will fail. You will sin. It's okay. That's why Jesus died, to cover that stuff. You repent. You go back to God. As soon as you sin, you know you did something wrong. Maybe you lost your temper. Maybe you started gossiping. You felt terrible about it. Your conscience was stricken. You go home and you're like, Jesus, I was, I was gossiping today. Tell him and repent. Ask God to reveal, you why, reveal in your heart why you do that. Repent. Move forward. Yeah? Is that good? Repent move forward. Repent move forward. All right, let me pray for you guys, and then I'm going to go through the discussion questions. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this day. God, thank you that you did not give us the word of God just as a, as a, a manual that we could just kind of follow if we wanted to but that it actually has life-changing power. And that when we put into practice the things that you call us to do, you bless us in spiritual ways, God. Yeah, life is a lot harder when you adopt a child. I get it, Lord, but I'm just saying that there's so much blessing that you give, from, uh, give, give to us by following your word, by, by living a life that, that emulates you. And so I just pray, God, that you would give us all the courage and the strength to do that. God, help each and every one of us to be that a true disciple, and a person that makes disciples. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, discussion questions for these guys that have small groups. Number one, tell us about someone who has discipled you uh, or you have seen been discipled. This is important. If you do not have somebody that's discipling you in your life, find somebody. Uh, what stood out, uh, stood out to you about that interaction? So when you saw somebody getting discipled or you got discipled, what, what, what stood out? Are you a disciple of Jesus now? And Think hard on that question. Are you following the word? And then number uh, four, are you learning to make disciples for Jesus? Those are, those are for those of you that um, know that you're a follower of Jesus. And number five, what, what can you do to change that? Okay? This is all about application. I want you to grow in this. Okay? <clears throat>